As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey, joined as always by my friend Max Olson. Max, we got a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, let's just sound the sound the Iowa State, uh, you know, sirens today, man. I mean, it's oh my god, things are things are happening in this old Big 12 that we're covering. Um, and you know what? Like, I, I should say, I, I want to preface this by saying, like, we're going to talk a lot about Texas and Oklahoma. Um, they're playing each other this week. We, we have to talk about them a bunch. And the crises – is crises the word? That are uh, going yeah, on? I believe that's correct. That sounds right. I believe that's correct. The, the crises at these two programs. Um, I do want to assure the listener, this is still a Big 12 podcast, and we are interested in the rest of the Big 12, and we will talk about the t- all 10 teams in the Big 12. But the challenge this week is, like, how can you not focus on Oklahoma and Texas and what the heck is going on? Yeah, I mean, they're the they're – the, you know the marquee teams in the league. They're the they're the teams that um, get the most attention, and the in Oklahoma's case, are the team that's won the league the most. And they both are in this are in this state of crisis, and they're playing this week, so it's kind of hard to avoid. But we will try to keep it tight. We're also going to be joined later in the pod by Eddie Radosevich, our pal from Sooner Scoop. He'll help us do our weekly picks, and we'll talk more about Oklahoma then. But we do. We do have to start off with the Red River shootout, showdown, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. I still say it's shootout, but that's just that's just me. Um, and we kind of need to pop a quick intervention on these two teams, don't we, Max? Yeah, it's time for an intervention. Okay, so once again, we're going to annoy you with always sunny stuff most weeks. So, you know, sorry about that. Actually, I'm not sorry about that. Yeah, not sorry um, about that. But, you know, gosh, Max, what what you want to start with the Sooners and then we'll go to the Longhorns? Let's start with the Sooners. Um, I'm fascinated to hear as you've had, you know, half the week here to sort of uh, decompress after your trip to Ames and figure out what the heck you watched and where they're going. Um, 
there, I, the interesting difference to me between Oklahoma and Texas is Oklahoma, I feel like, has a bunch of specific things that they're trying to fix. And I feel like Texas, and we'll get into this, but I feel like theirs is almost a more broad problem that that has kind of troubled them for the past few years. Um, where do you start with Oklahoma? What's number one on your list of, like, holy crap, they need to fix this? Well, it would be very easy to say the defense because Oklahoma's needed to fix their defense for five years now. But, uh, but I'm not going to do that. We will talk more about the defense later. But I want to talk about the offense because – that is the area where, in the past, Oklahoma's been able to get away with having a bad defense because they had an unstoppable offense. Yep. And this year, they do not have that. And it's not because of freshman quarterback Spencer Rattler. He's playing really well. Um, it is the receivers who are dropping touchdown passes. It's the running backs who are young and inexperienced and seem to not really know what they're doing sometimes or think that they're still in high school. And it's the offensive line, which returned four starters and does not is not playing like it. I mean, it, it's sort of shocking to look at this team and think that the biggest problem on the offense, or one of the biggest problems, is the offensive line, because that has not been a problem for them for a long time. And I know COVID had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I thought that things, was interesting but- that that Lincoln Riley acknowledged that this week. That you know, when you talk about, you know, they want to be private about this stuff, but when we talk about position groups that were impacted in August by. Um, the the slew of, of issues you deal with related to COVID. I mean, offensive line, their development, their continuity. Um, you know that that was a group that was affected, and I think you're kind of you're kind of starting to see that on the field. Yeah, oh, you totally are. Um, but I don't want to put it all on them because uh, I I would say I've I've said this before. If if they had Kennedy Brooks, who was their leading rusher the last two years, I think they win both of the last two games. They have just had no running game, which is shocking when you follow OU football that OU, which is ranked in the top 10, 15 in average yards per rush nationally for the last several years, to be averaging less than four yards a carry is, is really surprising. And, um, you know, until, until they maybe get Ramondre Stevenson back, um, who's still suspended, I don't really see that changing unless, unless these guys really grow up really fast. Yeah, and I pointed it out on Sunday morning, but that that second half rushing against K-State and Iowa State, 29 rushes, 62 yards, 2.1 per carry for a team that averaged just under six yards per carry in the second half last season. Um, You know, oftentimes, Jason, I feel like you watch Oklahoma's offense and you'd say the combination of an Alito line and the way they scheme it, that no matter who's playing running back, they're getting six to eight yards a carry. And Maybe we just didn't give those backs. I mean, obviously they had some NFL backs. I'm not not shortchanging them at all. But maybe we didn't give Kennedy Brooks enough credit. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe the talent level of those backs, um, while I think they have some developmental guys that can be can be really talented, it's just not where we're used to seeing it. Kennedy Brooks, uh, I think, is very underappreciated because he's not flashy. He doesn't really have track speed. He doesn't he doesn't look when you watch him run like he should be rushing for a thousand yards, but he does. And the reason that he's, he's so good is because he doesn't fumble the ball and he always picks up more yards than you think he's supposed to um, on almost every carry. And that skill, that vision, that intelligence is completely missing. I mean, Seth McGowan, the true freshman who's been playing has fumbled twice in critical moments in the last two weeks. And that's a real problem. Yeah. I, for me, defensively, the thing that I kind of can't get past is just the DB play, and and I think that's kind of been 
I just when I watch Oklahoma the last couple of years, you know, there's been some exceptions. Certainly, Parnell Motley turned it up last year, but I just don't feel like Oklahoma has just had the dudes at DB that you need to have in this conference. I mean, Iowa State has burned them for more than 700 yards after catch over their last four meetings, and then it happened again on Saturday. Um, there's not you didn't see a ton of respect for those DBs, and they kind of knew once you slip past the first one, you can get some big games, and so. It's it's baffling to me because they are so experienced, Jason. As you've noted before, um, they are obviously a little bit undersized. But like, when do we see the Bryson Washingtons, the Joshua Eatons, DJ Grams? Like, when is it time to? I know, I know, I I get the fear of getting burned by having young DBs, especially in a big game like this coming up. But but at what point do you have to find out what you have with the backups? Yeah, I asked Alex Grinch that question today, and I, I, you know, he acknowledged they're they're thinking about it. I think a lot of it was, you know, these guys didn't have a traditional fall camp. Sure. Bryson Washington was supposed to be here in the spring, and obviously he didn't have the spring. Um, but you know, you can see those guys getting antsy. Bryson Washington probably ill-advisedly uh, is that a word? I don't know if that's yeah. a word. Uh, sure, uh, tweeted sure. Uh, tweeted his frustrations after the game. Um, but even though he shouldn't have done that, he has a point. So I think that those guys, they have 90 career starts in the defensive backfield and it's just not, they're just not good enough. And um, I, I don't know if there'll be any big changes this week, but they're, they have an open date next week. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use that to, to try to work some of those other guys in. What we're from your, all the interviews you've done this week, the post game, all that, just what's your sense of where, where this team is at, you know, mentally, emotionally, whatever you want to call it going into you know, the, the annual huge, huge game in Dallas. It's really hard to say, but I mean, when you give up big leads in the second half, two weeks in a row, uh, I don't think that really makes the team more confident. So, and this is uh, probably going to be, this is definitely going to be the most talented team they played all year. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, I, I, I would imagine that it's not great right now. Um, now, obviously all of that can change. This weekend, everybody will feel a lot better if they beat Texas. They won't feel great. They still have two losses, and they're still probably out of the playoff hunt. But they'll feel a lot better if they beat Texas. And uh, but but frankly, and we'll get into our picks later. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But speaking of the Longhorns, let's get into the Longhorns. Um, I man, that game was. I, I I was watching it before I went over to the stadium. That fumble on the goal line was just devastating i can't imagine uh being that close against a really a team in tcu that i think is really good yeah and even gary patterson said like that team is like this texas team is probably not down and out like don't count them out they were they were really close you feel horrible for keontae ingram to be in that position especially after he busted the big run to get them in that position you know tom herman and mike yersich both said this week that Reaching the ball for the the pylon or the goal line is something they teach their guys not to do all the time, and so it's just one of those a little lapse in judgment and and a hell of a play by Garrett Waller to knock it out, um, and that leaves Texas, you know, trying to you know work through their issues. And the, as Tom Herman said this week, those issues would be there even if they had survived that game. But to me, what this comes down to, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this topic, but um, it's why does Texas keep beating Texas? You know, this is the sixth time under Tom Herman they've been ranked and lost to an unranked team. They think there's a lot of reasons for that. 
Um, but I think that's kind of the, the thing that keeps happening that I think you need to fix when you talk about Texas trying to get back. It's the games they lose that they shouldn't. Obviously, this came down to more than one one little fumble at the end. There's a reason why they couldn't figure out a way to pull away against TCU. And and that's it's it's still baffling to me that there that's the step that still has to be taken for them in 2020 in year four of a regime, you know? I mean, maybe TCU's just mad at them for taking their athletic director still, you know, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't know. I, I think kind of what it comes down to, man, is I think Texas, uh, or I think TCU is just one of those teams. We talked about this last week. If you're not ready to play them, they will kick your ass. That's just what they do. Yep. Um, Gary Patterson is a great coach. He is a, I, I don't think that it's hyperbolic to say he's an all time great coach in college football. Um, you know, no, I, I'm not saying he's Bear Bryant, but he's he's what he's done at that program to to be that good for this long mm-hmm. and to be this dangerous to switch from being a mid major to being a power five team and still line up and kick ass like they do. They're just they're just good and they get up for that game. Um, I think they've got really good players. I mean, they I do. don't know, man. Yeah. I, I I don't. There's there's a there's a bunch of in that game there's a bunch of problems for Texas. One, you start really really slow in a really choppy first half. The officiating had a lot to do with that on both sides. Texas only ran for 31 yards in the first half. They had five three and outs over that game. Um, so part of it's on the offense that, that you know their wide receivers have not been making plays. The run game hasn't really totally found that consistency, and now Rashawn Johnson's dealing with an injury. Um, but Texas hasn't really totally figured out how to how to. In, in tough games like that, how to build a lead and pull away. And, and and I'm fascinated to see if they can figure that out this week. The defense I didn't think was that bad. Um, but but the the big thing was Jawan Mitchell's ejection from that game really exposed their depth at linebacker. And that's the, the, the game-winning play for Max Duggan is a play where they're out and empty and you've got backup linebackers on the field. And they, they made the call they wanted to make, um, but he just – made an amazing check and ran it right up the middle for the touchdown. And that's part of that's the problem that they've had at linebacker that they've continued to deal with. So, but fun, fun stat for you here, Jason, because I didn't know this until this afternoon. Did you know Texas is leading the nation in scoring at 51 points per game? I did know that. Like, I, I, I didn't would, know that until this morning. But I, yeah, I didn't know that for some reason. So I just hadn't checked yeah. that, hadn't noticed that. So it's weird that like part of this comes with Texas too, that there is a lot of nitpicking that comes with them, but um, you know, I think it's another one of those games where it's, it came down to mistakes and, and beating yourself. And then the excuses that you, you, you hear after this is always like, oh, we need to execute better. And so I think we've seen that a lot from Texas. I think that's why Texas fans are so frustrated. And the response this week is going to be fascinating. Sam Ellinger uh, is not going to let this season fall apart. He is getting on his guys this week. He's preaching accountability and discipline and challenging people to you know, step up and take ownership. He said, I have a problem with somebody that doesn't want to win. So, I mean, maybe he can drag Texas through this. He's certainly going to try, but you know, that's, I guess that's the one thing you hang your hat on is at least you've got the senior quarterback um, who can sort of, you know, dictate that player leadership this week that, that maybe you get right. I, I don't know. Where, where, where is your confidence level about what yeah. you'll see from Texas this weekend? Well, I mean, but that's, and that's what Oklahoma doesn't have right now is that experience at quarterback. Um, and that, that could really be the difference because Sam Ellinger has played in this game four times and he's won this game before. Um, he, he beat Kyler Murray in this game. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think, uh, I think that, I don't know. I, 
I, I still think Texas is a really good team. I still think they're very much in the Big 12 hunt. And if they win out, certainly they'll be in the playoff conversation. Oklahoma, I don't know about that. But I, um, I think there's still a lot to like about Texas. And, and I'll also say this about Texas. What they did two weeks ago in Lubbock, I mean, that's the exact thing Oklahoma – that's the opposite of what Oklahoma's been doing in, their, in the fourth quarter. Like when Oklahoma – if they, they get down by 15, they're going to lose by three touchdowns. Uh, with the the current makeup of that team and Texas uh, rallies from 15 points in three minutes, that's yeah. Oklahoma doesn't have that ability right now, or at least they haven't shown it. It's so, interesting, and and certainly you know the last the, one of the, the last things I'll say on Red River, the past few years they played really really close games. And I think last year, Jason, you'd probably agree that in a really tight game, the difference last year was C.D. Lamb just making phenomenal plays, just being the best guy on the field. Um, a couple of years ago, that was the case with. Um, D.D. Westbrook going off on Texas and making a bunch of big plays. I don't know, you know, Matt Campbell calls these guys erasers, guys that cover up everything you're doing wrong and just make the big plays and, and help you get away with it. I don't know who that is for Oklahoma or Texas right now. I don't know who that guy is. Yes. Um, that, Great question. That is sort of the dude that takes over the game. And, and so that's going to be, you know, that's going to be, I think that's the thing you're keeping an eye on as that game develops is who has that edge of, a couple players that just really step up in a, certainly an odd atmosphere. And we'll talk about that more with Eddie, but you know, who is the guy that says I'm the best player on the field and, and makes the difference in a tight game. Yeah. And, and on the Oklahoma side, I have literally no idea who that could be. I mean, right, uh, right now, I, I have no idea who that could be. I mean, maybe it's Ronnie Perkins. We expect him to be back this weekend. So, um, boy, oh boy. Which is very interesting. Yes, so. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, now, Jason, one thing I we, we have to bring up because now that we've once again, you know, gone heavy on Texas and Oklahoma, I think we need to talk about Gary Patterson's comments on Monday morning. Um, you know, he was he was asked about the fact that Texas and Oklahoma um, are not looking very good right now and how that impacts the way that the nation and it perceives the Big 12 and the Big 12's playoff chances. And if anyone missed this, uh, here, here, take a listen here to what Gary Patterson had to say about that line of questioning. Well, number one, I re- it really bothers me that we, we best be based everything that our, whether our league is good or bad or not, whether Oklahoma and Texas are good. Right. To be honest with you, I, I mean, we have a lot of good football teams, and we always have a lot, had a lot of good football teams. And so – Going forward, we just we just need to keep improving our league from top to bottom and keep doing the things we need to do. So okay, pretty pretty strong stuff from Gary. Now I tweeted this quote out when he said it, and uh, that got like five thousand likes from folks in Big Twelve country. I think it struck a nerve. Um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of fans, uh, even ones who do not like Gary Patterson, who said thank you, Gary Patterson, for for saying what needed to be said. So. How, what did you think when you heard that Monday morning, Jason, in, in terms of Gary Patterson trying to deconstruct the way that we that we all just perceive the conference? I loved that he said it because it's true. It's it's undeniably true. And there's a reason for it. Oklahoma and Texas are the two big dogs in the conference. They're the ones who have the most money. They're the ones who uh, have, have the most traditionally successful programs. All of those things are true. Um, but – 
it's not fair to the rest of the league that that is what we base everything on. Because I'll tell you the truth, man. I look through this conference. There's a lot of teams I really like. I don't know if they're national championship teams. Mm-hmm. There's a Oklahoma State, TCU, Iowa State, uh, Kansas State are all look like they're really good teams this year. Um, but everyone, including us, for the first however long of this podcast, have been focused on Oklahoma and Texas. I think about and Gary probably has a real reason to be to feel that way because. Let's be honest. 2014, uh, t- TCU is number three in the in the playoff rankings. They win their last game and they drop to number six. Uh, and then neither them nor Baylor, co-champions of the Big 12, 12 and one or 11 and one, whatever it was, get into the playoff. If Oklahoma was ranked number, if the exact same situation, yep. you change the out, helmet, it's different. Oklahoma's number three. They beat the crap out of Iowa State in the final weekend. Do they get dropped three spots in favor of Ohio State? No, they don't. And neither does Texas, probably. So. Well, and, and if, unfortunately for the conference, you know, Ohio State gets the fourth spot and then goes and wins the national title. Right. Due in part to Tom Herman and what he did there and Chris <laughs> Ash. Um, but that, so that sort of dispelled that whole thing. But I think you're right. I think it's right to bring up. Um, I think what you're seeing there, too, is like the, the response to your person's quote, the support for it. I think there's also probably a little bit of a backlash in how everything now in our sport is framed relative to the college football playoff. And to me, like that's, and I, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm guilty of that too, but that's not very interesting to me to just only care about college football through the lens of the final four. Because mm-hmm. as you said, there's a bunch of really, really competitive teams in this conference that, and they play great games every week. And I feel like the folks, you know, in SEC country, just look at it in terms of, um, you know, who's your playoff team? Did you get left out of the, left out of the playoff? Did your playoff team get smoked in the playoff? Like, like what happened last year? Um, but that to me, like you're kind of missing the point of just like how great this season can be. If it's just, if it's just about the playoff and look, if Texas loses this week and they're both two lost teams, maybe that fixes it. <laughs> maybe that maybe we will shift our attention to Oklahoma state and TCU and Iowa state and Kansas state and these teams that, that are certainly deserving of, um, that spotlight, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, I think the point that you make viewing everything through the the lens of the college football playoff is so right, but it's also like that's been the argument for 50 years against having a playoff and then against expanding the playoff is the regular season matters. We have all these other bowl games. And I always sort of rolled my eyes at that argument, but I'm actually sort of understanding it a lot more now um, in light of what you just said, because – you're right. Everything now is about is about that final four. I'll tell you and what, too. It's probably stupid to look at this stuff and say, here's how it's going to play out for the playoff. Like, who the hell knows? And Lincoln Riley said that this week. Like, just because they lost two games, that might not mean anything. It might mean that everyone gets a freebie on that first loss. You know, I mean, it's impossible to sit here and say, especially with the Pac-12 and Big Ten playing shortened seasons. I mean, it's, it's probably a waste of our time to look at it through that way anyway, because this one is just going to be so unique and different regardless. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, if ever a two loss team was going to get into the 14 playoff, yeah. it would be this year. Right. It would be this year. Um, and look, there's, there's also, so there's weakness. also a recruiting element to this. I mean, ultimately the big 12 has two programs that recruit at a top 10 level and everyone else is recruiting at a, a top 30 to 40 level or worse, you know? And so that's where, Ultimately, that's where you need to see long-term change that impacts the long-term perception is the Gary Pattersons of the world sign, you know, winning more battles for blue-chip guys and having signing higher-rated classes that 
put you in position to to be, you know, a, a conference title contender every year. But that's hard to fix too, you know. So I, I can understand why he gets frustrated that there's just not still not attention enough to attention um, on the the rest of the teams in this league, and ultimately how good this league is from top to bottom, regardless of who's number one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, with, without question. So let's talk about some of those other teams. But yeah, uh, I I mean what Iowa State and uh, Iowa State and TCU um, are legitimate Big Twelve contenders, right? I mean, they're legitimate Big Twelve contenders, even despite losing their first games. I uh, I watch Iowa State and the receivers they have. When Brock Purdy's playing well, he can be a really really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. They've got some dudes on defense. Um, that is a dangerous team for everybody else they play, which makes their opening weekend all the more baffling to me. Well, it's it's funny how it comes full circle now where I almost feel like I, I know the Sunbelt thing really impacts the perception of the Big 12 this year. I get that. I see that in all the comments and tweets that I, I get, right? A um, lot of jokes about that. However, like I feel like at this point, we've come full circle in knowing K-State and Iowa State are really good teams, despite what happened in week one and despite the weird things that they had to deal with. And I talked to someone at K-State this week who said, you know what, maybe that loss was good for us because it led to us confronting some of our issues and fixing some of our things that led to that you know, the team being a lot better from there forward. So who knows? I'll tell you what, though, and, and, and you saw him on Saturday Live, Jason. I mean, Brees Hall. Um, he's now, he's now leading the big 12 in rushing fourth nationally. He's leading the country in, in, in broken tackles among all running backs, according to, uh, sports info solutions. I mean, how good was he in clutch moments of that game as a sophomore? He's, he's unbelievable. And he, and he was really good last year against Oklahoma too. Um, and I mean, I, I think you said this maybe in your, uh, maybe in your takeaways, um, but I, I, I think that there, I think right now he is the best player in the big 12. And uh, I mean, you look at the other running backs, even that we, we were really excited about. He's been better than Chuba Hubbard right now. Um, he's certainly been better than anything Oklahoma has. So I, I'm, I really like Brees Hall. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but screw it. We're having fun here. I mean, could Brees Hall win the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> I'm at, I'm serious. It's, I'm serious. It's really hard for running backs. Uh, the, it is. The, the, it the, is. the production has to be pretty monster from week to week. I think we've seen that that dude is is pretty special. Lincoln Riley brought up the comparison to David Montgomery that he's the guy that can just slip tackles and do some pretty silly stuff against your defense. Um, they've 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 got a dude right there. I think he was the difference. When I talk about erasers, man, he was the difference against Oklahoma, I think. In he making was. in making the third down plays, in making the big breakaway run, in finishing the game with the third and five conversion. I mean, 
that's that's a difference maker and one that I think the Big 12 is going to have a hard time with this year. And, and look, I, that, that probably transition us, transitions us well into Oklahoma State too because, I mean, look, when we start talking very seriously about how good Oklahoma State is, you know, they have to be happy with how all of this is unfolding in the conference. Um, you know, it's not just that they're getting Spencer Sanders back after their bye week. I mean, you have to be pretty happy that you have a, a backup quarterback in Shane Ellingworth who can get the job done in, as he has in two Big 12 starts. And um, I think we can yeah. see now Tulsa was a legit team after they beat UCF. Yeah. Um, and have you, I mean, the stats on this Oklahoma State defense, I mean, 7 of 43 on third downs. That's uh, pretty good. Best in the That's country. Solid. Best scoring D in the Big 12, 27 points over three games. Um, Jim Knowles has gotten that group right. They're playing really smart, effective defense. Oklahoma State's real, man. And I think that I, – I said this on Saturday, and, and I know some of them probably are nervous and don't want to go there yet, but if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you have to love the way that the Big 12 has unfolded so far. Absolutely. because And the, the reason I think you'd be confident if you're Oklahoma State is – they haven't played great on offense, but they played great on defense. And if it was the other way around, I'd be a lot more worried about them because traditionally they've been so good on offense. So you sort of – they I feel like they're going to right that ship. Once they get Spencer Sanders back, Chuba Hubbard is a really good player. Tylen Wallace is a great player. Um, and those it, two both went it, off on, on Kansas, as, as most yeah. people will. But, I mean, though they kind of got right in that game a little bit. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there was one play in that that game where they left. They they had a miscommunication, and and Tylen Wallace was, was like thirty yards open. It was yeah. Don't do that, folks. Cover cover he's Tylen a, Wallace this year. That's my advice. He's unbelievable. I mean, he is a he is a great great receiver. So yeah, I, I mean, Oklahoma State has to be seen as a as a really uh, clear favorite in this. Maybe not the favorite. I don't know. Maybe they are the favorite right now, but they're certainly up there. I, I think. I think that there's bright things coming for them. And right now you have to say they're the better team in the state of Oklahoma right now. They just are. And I wouldn't have expected that after the Tulsa game. Um, but, you know, like you said, we, we as we're learning, maybe Tulsa's better than we thought they were. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, we, again, we've only seen one drive from Spencer Sanders. It, so it's hard to say how much better um, he is or if he's about the same as what we saw last year. Fascinating to see that and, and how much can he get that running back, you know, that, that running ability back and coming back from injury. But um, if he's if he's looking really, really good, then I think the rest of the Big 12 is in trouble. And we, you know, spotting them a, three, a 3-0 start here with, with um, you know, a chance to move to 4-0 pretty easily. I think I like where they're at, man. I would also say, you know, you certainly, I mean, K-State has proven what they can do. Um, you know, plus seven turnover margin. Like, that's that's K-State football, man. Like, that's, they, that, this is what they do. Um, and three blocked punts in three games. <laughs> I mean, it's just the most Kansas State thing ever. They found a guy in Deuce Vaughn that no other power fives that looked like really wanted. Yep. And he looks like one of the best players in the conference. I mean, this is this is quintessential Kansas State, what we're seeing this year. Yep, so. and, and it, we're going to see it for a long time. Chris Kleiman uh, wrapped up that extension um, this week. He, he'll, he'll be with them through 2026. And certainly, I think, I think they've earned a lot of believers here at this point early on in the season. I do want to mention West Virginia Baylor. And yeah. that was a game just defensively, and I think you noticed this too, um, both, both, you know, some mistakes on both sides, but overall, I think defensively, you saw two teams that when they play at that level, um, 
can can definitely win games in this conference and can definitely pull some upsets. Yeah, uh, totally. Now, if if I'd have told you, you know, five years ago that when Art Bryles was still the coach and Dana Holgerson that we'd be seeing defensive struggles between Baylor and West Virginia. I'm not sure I would have really expected that, but yeah. but that's what it yeah. was. I mean, I mean these these are two pretty good defenses. I don't know much, I don't know how I feel about their offenses, but I think they are going to cause some people problems. I mean, uh, Darius Stills is a, a hell of a player. Yeah. I mean, he is a great player. Uh, as as everybody knows. and and but, you know what I thought I thought Terrell Bernard for Baylor was spectacular in that game. I think Dave Aranda clearly has a lot of fun with how they're using him, him and him and Ron Roberts have, have certainly figured out how to scheme him to, to his strengths. But you know, that's a big, that was a big win for West Virginia for Neil Brown, who continues to make really steady, solid progress there. They've won four of their last six and, you know, a game like that, you know, you win the turnover battle plus two that Letty Brown and Alex Sinkfield have started to kind of figure it out as they're, as they're running backs. And I think the big difference in that game, as we talked about six sacks and 11 TFLs, it's a reminder both that West Virginia's D-line can be really good, but also Baylor is still trying to get the O-line part figured out. Certainly they've had some some um, guys miss time there, and so I think they'll be better. I just thought that, that this wasn't the week to show it, but um, those are those are two teams I think can be can be a problem if they keep progressing in the right direction. You mentioned Bernard. He, I mean, his interception in the second quarter yeah. of the game was, was – just highlight reel. That was that was awesome. Like I love plays like that. So. Yeah, he ever since Clay Johnson got hurt last season, Terrell Bernard has been playing at a, an incredibly high level, um, and has just kind of carried that on to this year. So that's you know that's been fun to watch. The other thing that we're sort of waiting to see here this week in the Big Twelve, um, Kansas State lost Skylar Thompson, and there's no really no word on his arm injury and where they're at. Um, so it could be Will Howard. Uh, the true freshman this week. We'll, we'll see about that. And then Texas Tech, um, you know, has lost Alan Bowman in that game. Um, Henry Columbia, the, the Utah State transfer, uh, had to finish that one out. Wells has said that Bowman's day-to-day with an ankle injury. So, you know, we'll see where they end up on that one. That's obviously so important this week. But um, that's worth keeping an eye on. And then the other thing that, that stood out to me from this, this last week of Big 12 football, Jason, just the state of officiating is – it's bad, man. It's it's bad. I mean, it's it was really TCU Texas was really really hard to watch. Uh, that first quarter was atrocious. Um, credit to Neil Brown for for pointing this out this week. That look, it, it's that that they're kind of a the officials are in a, an impossible spot right now because they're not working in crews. They're trying they're trying to keep them um, as as close to home as possible. And you know they didn't really get the the, the August reps in camp and stuff like that. And so. Um, I think the the uh, have you, did you notice that so far? I mean, it's just been it's been rough at times. I, I thought TCU Texas was over officiated quite a bit. Um, those guys were kind of trying to be the stars of the show, which was frustrating. Um, <laughs> and certainly, there's there's some folks that were unhappy about calls in in West Virginia Baylor, but um, hopefully Oklahoma, that in, Iowa State. Yeah, there were there so, were a lot of penalties in that game, and and uh, I don't know how many of them. Lincoln Riley seems to think a lot of them were bad. He's said that a couple of times since the game. Um, I just oh, I, have you ever felt, seen him that mad as he was at the end of that game? Oh no, no, I haven't. I have not. Um, and I mean, and he had a point. I mean, Charleston Rambo probably was held on that play. Right. Um, right. So. He had a point. Was, now, I don't think that's why they lost. I never think sure. the officials are why a team loses. Sure. I will never say that. But um, he has a right to be mad about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'd never seen him that 
that ballistic on on a call. Um, un- understandable, certainly. So you hope that improves. You know, I I just I don't want to see these games continue to get bogged down by that. I'm sure the, the the officials are doing the best they can, but it's been it's been tough to watch at times. Yeah, it it, it really has. There's a lot of reviews in that OU Iowa State game. And that that gets you know when you're watching a game and there's just it's like there's it's so hard to get momentum for either side when something like that when there are that many reviews I don't know how many there were oh, and, the, I and then the counting, end of Texas TCU like, was just like ridiculous and Big Twelve yeah. released a statement later on kind of clarifying what happened and you could say that doesn't affect it but there no one to address that there was looked like there was still a second left on the clock when he took the safety so I mean <laughs> yeah. that was that was a mess where you're reviewing a couple of things on top of each other. Um, it's, yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. I mean. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I Now I'm remembering watching the end of that game and thinking, well, I don't even understand what just happened. Right. Like, but, and I there sort was of a forgot safety, about that. But there was holding, but there was, they said there was no time expiring. And, and then, I mean, what, it, it, I, I didn't have a good sense that they knew what they were doing on that one. Um, and they later corrected on it a little bit, but boy, that was, that was wild. And that's how this season's probably going to be. There's probably, it's probably is going to come down to weird stuff like that sometimes. Yeah. The official, everyone is affected by COVID. We'll just, we'll just blame it on COVID. <laughs> um, I don't really know how you do that, but let's just blame it on COVID. Okay. All right. Max, before we get into our interview with the, with our pal, Eddie Radosevich, I thought it would be fun. And maybe this is dumb, but I thought it would be fun to just say right now through three games, or two games, two league games, and going into the third week of, of league games. Mm-hmm. Who do you think, as of right now, will be in the Big 12 championship game? And then we can laugh at how wrong we were in two months. If you had to pick mm-hmm. it right now. Okay. If I had to pick it today, I would say Oklahoma State and Oklahoma would be my two picks. Where, okay, what do you, so you're, you're rolling with the Sooners. I'm going, I'm going bad start. What, what do you got? Okay. I'm saying Oklahoma State – Versus TCU, I think TCU. Really? Yes, TCU. I I love TCU. I think they would be undefeated right now if they played Max Duggan uh, uh, earlier. Uh, sure. In that, in if that he Iowa hadn't State had game. his his setback, yeah, sure. yeah. And uh, and I I look at the rest of their schedule and you you look at it and I mean I I I really like I really like what I see um, from them. I mean you look through here. Uh, they play Kansas State this week. We'll get to our picks in a minute, uh, but th- you know that seems like a winnable game. Then they play OU at home. OU's in shambles right now, and they've struggled in Fort Worth before. Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas—those are all seem like wins. And then they end the wow. season with Oklahoma State. So I think a back-to-back TCU, Oklahoma State in the regular season, and then they play again. That's oh, what I'm going. Boy. What or what if we could get a TCU Iowa State rematch? You know, that'd be great too. I, I'd be down. That would be. That would be, be pretty fantastic. To, I mean, it, look, I I get it. You, I, you know, if you if there's any year where it's going to be two teams that nobody picked to be in in the end, I I could see it being that. Yeah. So I, I'm going out on a limb. I'll probably be wildly wrong, and you can mock me for it in a few months. But I look forward to that's that. what I'm that's what I'm going with. <laughs> so all right. So you want to bring in Eddie? Let's uh, let's go to our interview with Eddie Radosevich uh, from our good friend from Soonerscoop.com. We're now happy to be joined here on One True Pod by my good friend and uh, local influencer in the state of Oklahoma, 
Some people have called him the uh, Edward R. Murrow of our time. I'm, he's not saying that, but some people are. Um, Eddie Radosevich of Soonerscoop.com. Eddie, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, good afternoon. This is the highlight of my Wednesday afternoon. So uh, I look forward to the happenings as we get ready for what should be one of the biggest OU Texas games in the history of uh, the series. This is this is usually my favorite time of the year because this is the one <laughs> one or two times a year I get to see Eddie, you know? I know, and they're they're locking me out this year. So I'm not going to uh, be gonna, there either, man. It's brutal. So let's dude, let's start there. What because I'm not going to be there either. What are you going to miss most about covering the game this year? I mean, honestly, as like kind of stupid as it sounds, just like everything that leads up to about 10:55 on Saturday morning, yeah. whether it be like waking up slightly hungover at the crack of dawn, uh, like using your quote unquote secret, uh, you know, everybody has like their own way to get over to the cotton bowl. Uh, whether if you're staying in oh, yeah. Dallas, yeah. like, so like you're the back, the back way that nobody talks about that. Everybody basically takes the same back way. Uh, the fighting to get into the parking lot, uh, the, the bands obviously coming through the state fair, everything that kind of encompasses, uh, the state fair and the OU Texas rivalry is probably what I'm like. After 10.55 a.m., it's just like a bonus on top of everything yeah. uh, that is Saturday morning. So I would probably say Saturday morning from about, I don't know, 6.30 or, you know, 6 o'clock to 11 a.m. is probably my favorite day. You got to stand in line for tickets early in the morning. You got to you yeah. gotta get the really bad, cheap coffee. You know, it's, it's just kind of tradition. It's what we do. No, it is. And, you know, it's just going to be weird. It's like, it, I think it's kind of... And I guess in a way we've been kind of, I guess, conditioned for what it's going to be like having covered a couple games, but there's nothing that compares to the fair. There's nothing that compares to even the drive down on Friday morning or Friday afternoon of like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck in Ardmore. This is OU Texas traffic. So uh, I'm going to miss it this year, but I guess in a way it's going to make me appreciate it that much more when, you know. Fingers crossed. Hopefully everything gets back to normal. J- Twenty-one. We did it last year, Jason, but it, it is fun to wander around the fair on that Friday night too. Oh yeah. It's so much fun. You, you know, you see a lot of OU and Texas fans out there and um, it, it's just, it's just awesome. And that's the thing, like I am going, but it's going to be different. I mean, it's, it, you're a lot of those elements, Eddie, that you talk about aren't even going to be there this year because you probably don't need a back way to get there because there's not going to be that many people there. Um, you know, the, there's not going to be the the fair going on. I guess they're going to have a few Fletcher stands set up, but it's that's, it's going to be good. different. That's good. It's, it's yeah, going to be different. It's just crazy, too, that like – and I think everybody's – you know, everybody has their own rivalry. You go to Ohio or Michigan, they're going to say Ohio State-Michigan is the best one. Army-Navy, uh, you know, the Iron Bowl, whatever. But with it being at the fair, and I guess the cocktail party has the kind of the same feel in Jacksonville, but like this is a game that I would tell anybody if they truly love – the pageantry of college football. It's like you have to go to an OU Texas game someday. Yeah, and you know from, I mean, uh, there, there was one year when I had like the field pass for the game and you know just from being down there, yeah. down on the field for an entire game, it's just insane. So the closer you can get and to that, it, the better, you know? It's it's my favorite like experience of the year, like everything leading up into the teams coming down the tunnel and like even just walking down the tunnel to get down to the field, it's like, this is what everybody talks about. Like, you know, you can name any Texas player, any Oklahoma player. They've all made that same walk down the field or even going up to the press box. I mean, uh, into like the, uh, the, the post game place. It's like, you know, so many 
awesome players and so many stories have been from those two distinct locker rooms. It's just kind of crazy. And I'm going to, I'm definitely going to miss it. But again, hopefully it's like one of those things when everything gets back to normal in 21, it's like you can appreciate it more because you did miss it this season. Let me say the, speaking of things you're going to miss, um, is it bittersweet for you that this is probably Sam Ellinger's last Red River game? Because I honestly think, Eddie, I think if, if you were in the Austin market, if the, the tables return here, I think you and Sam would have like an Eddie Baker kind of bond if if you were on the other side of things. So how does it feel no, I definitely, to I watch definitely this one last time? Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of funny that it's like, you know, it didn't really strike me until or hit me until Riley said something on Tuesday about it as far as like, He's rolling out his fourth different quarterback against Sam. And I, like you forget, or I guess time flies in a way, just how long he's been down there, how many of the games have been like, and even if Texas hasn't been as good as uh, they have been this year, it's like there's been some some battles. And, uh, you know, Sam is kind of, I think, uh, you know, Brian Davis kind of put it well as far as like he is the ultimate competitor. No matter what Texas's win-loss records have been over the last couple of years, he encompasses everything that is Texas football as far as like that is the guy that you want leading a program. And, you know, it's going to be sad. I'm, I'm cheering for him to get the sixth year of eligibility and maybe come back uh, next season in 21 and we'll do it the right way. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Eddie, last year at this time, you were reaching the peak of your fame on college game day. I mean, forgot about that. that was one year ago. I, I definitely forgot about that. We need to uh, hashtag horns up for peace. That. that was a yeah, that was absolutely. a big date for the movement. Yeah, I, I I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that was a good time with Gene Wojciechowski doing that story, and uh, it just like it kind of took on a life of its own. But it was it's been fun to uh, you know even this week I really haven't even brought it up much, and people have been tweeting me and stuff, and uh, it's a, it's a fun aspect of the rivalry. Uh, you know, selfishly, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of wish in a way that uh, Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley had a little bit more of a, not like a feud, but I wish they kind of went back and forth with each other more. Uh, you're just not going to ever probably get that from a guy like Lincoln. And it's been fun to see kind of how this whole thing has come together. And, you know, I, I, in a way it's, I guess, kind of interesting to just look and see like Texas obviously needs a, this game. Tom Herman needs this game. And, uh, you know, big picture wise. And then for Oklahoma, for the season wise, I think that, you know, it's Oklahoma that obviously needs this game to not go one and three. So um, it's, it's a great rivalry no matter what. I think, you know, both of these teams could go into this game and be 0 and three. And we would still find ways to talk about this game being just as important for everybody. So um, it's kind of exciting in a way, I guess, the unknown of, of what these teams are. It's, like, it's almost like these teams kind of mirror each other as far as, you know, their positives and the negatives. From your vantage point, I'm curious if you were like a couple weeks ago on the athletic, I wrote about like kind of the panic index for all these college football teams that are losing early on, kind of a scale of one to 10. What would be from your vantage point of watching Oklahoma, what you expected versus reality here? Like, what's what do you think the panic level is from one to 10 this week, just with the Sooners and and where they're at and um, the uh, the flaws they've shown so far? Yeah, you know, I, I thought that they would struggle. I, I don't know about struggle would be the right word. I thought that, that defensively they might take a step back from last year just because it's hard to replace the Parnell Motley, Kenneth Murray, and Neville Gallimores of the world yeah. of a defense that, uh, you know, just don't have a whole lot of leadership. And you figured that what they were going to lose in leadership with those guys, it was going to be made up for in terms of talent uh, with, you know, Deshaun White or Brian Osamoa or, you know, Ronnie Perkins or uh, – 
Perry and Winfrey, whoever. I think the biggest thing for me has just been, you know, just how disappointing Oklahoma's been with the guys that have played a lot of football down there. I know Jason pointed it out on Twitter this past week, just as far as, I mean, 90 starts combined in a secondary that has been the weakest part of the unit and more specifically a safety unit that it's coached by Alex Grinch. Like there's, there's absolutely no reason for them to have the penalties, to have the blown coverages, just the, the mindless mistakes that they've made. Uh, you know, I, I, the one series at the end of the third quarter last week, as far as Iowa state game goes, is like, you know, they, they play well on first down, they play well on second down, and then they have a hold on third and 10 from Trey Brown, who has played the most football out of anybody in that secondary in a, in a, in a, in a play that he had help over the top. Like there's no reason to hold the guy just kind of mistakes like that have just not added up. And I don't know if it's frustration. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, it's just like a, why, how does that happen? Yeah. And I think that you kind of heard that when we talked to Alex Grinch on Wednesday this week, just as far as like, there is no really reason for them to be missing tackles. They don't teach the, the form that those guys threw out there the last two weeks. And I think even more so, the most frustrating thing for Alex Grinch has been the fact that everything that they've done over the past two weeks, for the for the ninety percent of it, has been pretty good. It's just those little moments where you have a hold, and then a guy has bad t- bad technique on the next play, and they give up a sixty-five yard touchdown. Or Deuce Vaughn bounces the ball outside on a thirty-five yard run on a, a, in a game that. They held Kansas State, you know, below three yards rushing per attempt. So um, I wouldn't say that, like, over, like, overall it's, you know, of course Oklahoma fans think the sky's falling in, but it's, you know, at the same time there's just, like, all the mistakes that they've been making shouldn't happen. Yeah. So if they clean that up, I think that you could probably turn this into a positive. But right now, obviously, it's not a positive because they are one and two. And, you know, people are pissed off around here. So it's just been – it's been really weird, hasn't it, Jason? It's just been, like – you can't explain some of the mistakes that they're making. And, you know, on the offensive line, it's like they're four of the five starters or they're guys that have played a lot of football. Sure. And when you hear a guy like Creed Humphrey say that, like, the mistakes that they're making are just lazy, there's really nothing to point your finger at other than don't hold on on first and ten and don't put yourself in a, you know, first and twenty situation. Uh, with a redshirt freshman quarterback, so it, it's just crazy. I, as far as panic, though, to answer your question, I, I don't know. It's right now. It's probably like a five point five, and if they lose this weekend in the ways that they've lost over the last two weeks, it goes all of a sudden to like a nine point five. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's a. I think that's a great summation, and it's funny that you could probably say a lot of this, a lot of those things about Texas too, where it's just like yeah. the ten percent that's been bad has been bad, you know, and so it's two teams that are really trying to fix their own stuff this week. And, and sure. we'll be fascinating to see sort of how that bounces out. Jason, you want to get to picks? Yeah. And, and that actually leads me nicely into the OU Texas game. Do you want me to go first? And then we'll, we'll, well, let's, let's start with this. Okay. okay? So let's okay, just say, okay, okay, okay. This is our, this is our third week of picking games against the spread. Uh, we don't need to, we don't need to go through the records. Currently well, I do this on radio. My record is awful. So Jason's, Jason, <laughs> I've had some of the worst beats I can ever imagine. If I was gambling real money on this, I would be having to like donate plasma on Fridays to make ends meet. Well, thank God Jason's not gambling any of his real money on this because Jason's currently <laughs> four and six on picking Big 12 games. And I want to p- tell you, Eddie, I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast. He thought Kansas would cover plus 21. Well, okay. they did for like a quarter and a half. Uh, okay, It was 31-0 at halftime. You had TCU, though. I also picked TCU to win. So You did. You did. <laughs> 
That is true. Um, we were right about TCU. We were wrong about Oklahoma. And Jason was pretty wrong about Kansas plus 21. So last, last time I ever trust the Jayhawks. I, I, that's probably safe. All right. So let's three games this week. Why don't you start us off, Jason? Okay, well, let's start with, uh, obviously, with OU Texas. I think Texas is going to win. I I do. I think Texas is going to win. And the reason I think Texas is going to win is because of what Eddie just said. I think they're so similar in so many ways. And the one thing they both have that's been pretty good is quarterback play. And so if you're comparing those two, I got to go with Sam Ellinger because he's experienced. I wrote about it today on The Athletic. In the last 20 years, uh, teams with... Uh, with a new starting quarterback in this game against one who started before are two and eight. And so, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts and Sam Bradford are the only two. And Eddie's going to get a little gloating in about Putnam City North High School, his alma mater also, um, uh, Sam Bradford's alma mater. But I, I think Texas wins, and I think it's because of Sam Ellinger. Wow. It's hard to go It's hard to go against that. I mean, you look at everything that Oklahoma's done here over the last couple of weeks, and, you know, it's kind of funny, too, that, like, Spencer Rattler's probably coming off the best game of his career. And it's a game that, you know, Oklahoma obviously had a chance to go win in the fourth quarter and actually led in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, it's hard to go against the history of this game. How much does that play into, uh, you know, no fan? Well, I guess a much smaller crowd than what you're used to at the Cotton Bowl. Certainly. Um, But I just feel like Elinger will come up with too many plays in the fourth quarter, especially if it's a tight game. Oklahoma this year has kind of proved that they can't win those games. And so – uh, you know, if I was if I was betting, I think that the the play here would be uh, take Texas in the money line and take the points and and run with it. I, I just like until Oklahoma can prove that they can tackle guys, I can't pick them. Like that is it's a tough thing to do when you can't when you can't execute the fundamentals of the game. Uh, you know, it, it, it certainly just it, it it makes me pause. And uh, you know, I would, could go even further in depth as far as like. I don't know what the mental state of this team is. It seems like Oklahoma, every time that they've been met with any type of uh, adversity this year, in a way they've kind of folded. And uh, you go into a game like this that has, you know, I I think that both of you guys know that this game has, whether there's no fans in the stands or not, it's going to have certain turns of the game, whether it be special teams, which has gotten Oklahoma beat in the last two weeks, whether it's a block punt or a kick return last week in Ames. Uh, they have had these, this game has swings of momentum, and if you can't capture that momentum and take it with you, you're not going to win the game. And I think that Texas will take it and and be able to uh, do it much better than Oklahoma. So I take Texas. Wow, this is this is pretty fun. I feel like there's going to be a ton of people at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, Texas and Oklahoma fans talking to each other, saying, "Yeah, I think we're going to lose." You know what I mean? I think both sides don't feel that great this week no, just with is. what they've shown. Um, and this is usually a game where there's a lot of irrational confidence and that you can kind of throw out the records and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma minus two. Um, this goes back to something that, um, you know, the great Mike Finger taught me a long time ago. And, and when he would do his picks on Texas games, he always believed that he'd rather be wrong because Texas is good than be wrong because Texas is bad. And so it's kind of a like, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Um I'm not saying Texas can't win this game. I, they, they definitely can. And as we've seen in in that TCU game, it's it's a question of 
when Oklahoma makes mistakes, makes mistakes, does Texas capitalize? You know, do they start fast in this game? Do they establish a running game, which they did not in the first half against TCU? There's a lot of things on the checklist Texas has to do, but uh, I think Texas can win. I'm going to take Oklahoma minus two, especially if you guys are both going to take Texas. And uh, I feel feel okay about that. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I was doing, like, a positional breakdown with somebody earlier, and we were talking about Oklahoma and Texas. They are literally, like, the problems that Oklahoma has, Texas has the exact same problems. These teams are almost mirror images of each other. And you, because you guys caught me on a Wednesday, like, tomorrow, I'll probably tell somebody that Oklahoma's going to win, and then my mind will be changed again by Friday. Yeah, it's- so it, it, that's, that is the one thing that has felt normal about OU Texas this week is the fact that you go back and forth like, oh, they could do this, but Texas could also do this. It's just weird. And no, I think Jake Smith will probably have like 250 on the uh, in the air. It seems like he's just primed for an OU Texas break. I think that and I've, all the projections I've seen that said that this is like a three-point game. So I think it's going to be super yeah. close. You know, I think it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. Let's move on to the next one. Texas Tech at Iowa State. Iowa State coming off their – uh, massive feed against the Sooners. Uh, the clones are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Jason, what do you got? I, I had a lot of trouble with this one because this feels like the kind of game where Iowa State might just put up a stinker after a big win, um, even if they win. But but I'm going to resist that, and I'm going to pick the Cyclones to cover the 12-and-a-half. I do think they're a really good team, and uh, they got this one at home. And uh, so I'm – Despite my maybe reservations, I'm going to pick the Cyclones. Eddie, what is what is Alan Bowman's status going into this week? Yet? So they're saying that he is day to day with an ankle injury. So okay, he'll probably play. That's it's it's up in the air. I would say. I'm such a sucker too because after you know after they lost to Louisiana Lafayette, I jumped off the Iowa State bandwagon. I wasn't big on him going back into 2019, and then this year I thought Purdy Junior year he's going to make a jump as a third-year player and then obviously you know week one when how it did I'm somewhere in between like I still think this Iowa State team is pretty good uh not not necessarily a, a national title contender or anything like that but uh I do think that they're a pretty good football team uh Matt Campbell obviously I I know I've kind of uh gone after him a little bit on Twitter but uh, that was probably just because I lost money in week one. So, uh, and by I like, the way, I, Eddie, we, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, but how about Brees Hall? What did you think of him last week? Dude, he's so good. He's like one of those guys, too, that Oklahoma recruited Marcus Hicks. He's a freshman. He had the uh, Achilles injury this year that's out for the year. But we went up and saw him in Wichita last year, and I think he had like five or six touchdowns, looked amazing. And it was kind of one of those decisions, like Oklahoma didn't recruit him kind of like Charlie Kolar, mm-hmm. and then he ends up coming back and killing him. So uh, I, I think Brees Hall really, really good. And Brees Hall would probably be getting carries on this Oklahoma team right now yeah. if they would have recruited him. I think so, so. Uh, I like Iowa I would State. say so. Yes, I would say so. I, would, I like Iowa State, but I'm not just entirely convinced that they cover the 12 and a half. Tech just seems like that team that – is so, so close every week. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think that they would stay around in Manhattan last week. And then you look up and all of a sudden they're leading at halftime. So, uh, or coming back in the second half, I guess. Sure. Give me Tech plus the 12 and a half, but Iowa State wins by more than seven, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I think 12 and a half just feels like a little too, bit too big of a number. Yeah. Iowa State plays a ton of close games. I'm not I'm not expecting some big letdown this week. I think Iowa State wins straight up, but... Um, 
certainly, you know, if you told me what the the exact answer is on Bowman, then I'd have a better answer for you on, at, at this point in the week. But um, I think Texas Tech is close. I think they're not that bad. Um, that's we've seen that the last couple of weeks. I, I, I'm impressed by the way they hung in with with Henry Columbia in that game against K State um, on the road. So yeah, I think. I think Texas Tech keeps it close. I, I would still think Iowa State wins. Last one Iowa here. State, oh, go Iowa ahead. State kind of reminds me a little bit of Baylor a year ago. A bunch of guys that have played a bunch of football. And, you know, can they get over the hump and win a Big 12 championship? Who knows? Can they get to Arlington? Who knows? But I don't know. I think now you, saw, you of- saw it last weekend, too. I mean, it, it starts on the D-line, right? When you've got yeah. the dudes on the D-line, that makes everything a little bit easier defensively, you know, and then, then your sure. defense plays better than the sum of its parts, you know? All right, last game here. Kansas State at TCU. TCU is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite against the Wildcats. Jason, what do you think? This one's hard because so much of it to me depends on if Skylar Thompson plays or not. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if he plays, then I think they have a good shot. If he doesn't, then I think TCU probably wins and, and covers. So uh, as of right now, with him being sort of questionable – and I also love TCU. I and I've loved them in the preseason too. I, I'm. I think they're really good. I think they'd be undefeated if they'd started the right quarterback two weeks ago against Iowa State. So, um, so I'm going. I, I'll go with TCU to cover. I'll go eight and a half TCU. I'm kind of in the same way. Like, is TCU like good? Good? Are they? I I, I don't know. I. I've been impressed with what uh, Max Dugan's been able to do with them. I, I kind of agree with you. If he would have started and played the entire game against Iowa State, I think they probably win that game. Uh, I thought they looked pretty damn good last week in Austin. And I kind of, you know, depending on what Skylar Thompson, if he plays, because Kansas State doesn't necessarily ever get blown out. But I like TCU minus eight and a half. I, I think that's a pretty good line. And I don't know, just the kind of the way that Gary Patterson's talking a little bit, uh, you know, as far as, I don't know if they were shots, but he was he was right in his assumption that everybody looks at Oklahoma and Texas and then decides if this league is any good. But mm-hmm. I don't think he says that kind of stuff if he doesn't think that TCU is pretty good. And um, so give me the uh, give me the Horn Frogs, and I I think TCU is pretty good. Yeah, I've said it a bunch. They're they're kind of the wild card team of the the Big Twelve this year, where they could play with anybody, and and as we saw last week, could probably go go ahead and beat anybody. So um, I. You know, I'm I'm torn on this one. I'm kind of inclined to say Kansas State plus eight and a half. Um, they like Will Will Howard, their their true freshman. Um, that's a tough spot though for your first start against a Gary Patterson defense. Uh, if if he has to go, um, and I think they'll certainly have some plans to try and bottle up Deuce. I, certainly, this staff at K State's done an awesome job of kind of flexing them out a bunch of different ways. But I'll take Kansas State plus eight and a half. Um, but I kind of, I kind of lean in TCU winning this week. I think that's the, I think that's the right call. Like, I, I don't know. I, the, the entire conference is so hard to figure out just as far as like, who's going to show up week to week. And I think that, you know, once that we get into the heart of SEC play and everybody else starts playing big 10 pac 12, anybody, I think everybody's going to kind of be like that. I think every weekend you're going to look up and go, how the hell did that happen? Uh, whether it be, you know, Oklahoma getting beat at home by Kansas State or, you know, Arkansas beating Mississippi State on the road. It's just it's just a weird year. And I think that once you accept that, everything else kind of makes more sense. Woo pig, man. Woo pig. <laughs> As someone who used to cover them, I cannot believe they won that game. 
I cannot believe they won Sam that Pittman, game. I just did it. Th- <laughs> but was that not the most, like, Mike Leach thing of all time to go beat LSU and then come back and more or less lay an egg? I, I hate to give them credit because Sam Pittman had me blocked on Twitter for a very long time. Um, we, oh, then we, we don't We've like actually fixed that, but sure. – um, that is amazing. Hey, that's a sign of 2020. It's it's gonna you know it's, it's gonna get real weird. The team that are, Sam Pittman blocks you, they win heroically. Tulsa had me blocked for the longest time. They go knock off our buddy Josh Heupel uh, down in Orlando. I think it's just the year of the uh, the block slash redemption tour. Good, good things can still happen in this chaotic year. You're right, Eddie. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely, yeah. guys. I had fun. Thanks so much, Eddie. I'll I'll yeah. see you. I won't see you Saturday, but I'll see you soon, my friend. Wow. I'll be the spirit. All right. See you guys. See you. Thanks again to Eddie Radosovich for joining the show. Please subscribe to our show, One True Pod, on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating. And you can find our stories on The Athletic. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up now for $1 a month by going to theathletic.com slash Pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage. You get everything from all of our sports coverage across all the professional leagues uh, as well. So please be sure to take advantage and we'll see you next week. 